The flames once shined bright, standing for a sign of hope and refuge, for freedom and a chance. The American dream is what we all once wanted. Bright futures and security. Now, law and order stands on the neck of light, smothering out her message of hope, of peace, of freedom. Nothing prospering in the vile grip of this unjust system of chains they have laid out for us. They have captured our light, and they are trying to pour water on her. Lady Liberty is fighting for her freedom. She will not be snuffed out, silently. No justice, no peace. To Kayla Michelle, Lady Liberty. normal for me I literally was born into the air force it it raised me <laughs> you know and so. now we're here but uh, now we're here uh what's up y'all welcome back to another episode of your favorite podcast the misplaced American I am your host Justin White I have a very good friend of mine someone I met uh my very first base in the air force uh and I thought she hated me but apparently she hates all new people in the air force what she told me uh <laughs> her name is ashley is it still grugan i'm sorry that's why i sound rude but it's still ashley grugan it's still grugan yes yeah ashley grugan uh, i'm not sure if you want to introduce yourself for people hello everybody my name is ashley grugan i am married that's why he's asking me my last name <laughs> um i didn't change it um my husband is uh pedro kahua and my name is ashley grugan but we are very much married <laughs> um is there anything else you want me to introduce about myself? I mean, no, something people want to know about you. I mean, I think you're pretty interesting. You know, like, uh, I, I think it's interesting that you're now a civil rights activist. That's something you can label, <laughs> label yourself as. You know, that's for somebody yeah. to come out blatantly, especially somebody with your background, to come out and uh, say that boldly uh, during the first video I've seen was like, like you could, me hearing you say it, I was like, wow, this is a, this is a thing. This is going to be it. This is going to be a label behind her name now. Like Ashley Grugan, civil rights activist, you know? Absolutely, for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy about that. Um, so there uh, a little bit about me. Uh, like Justin said, I was in the, in the military. I was born and raised in the Air Force. My dad was active duty military uh, Air Force for 22 years. He was an F-15 crew chief. Um, my I joined the military when I was, I tried to do it when I was 18, but I joined when I was 19. I served nine years, two months and 29 days. My husband is still active duty. My dad is now retired. My brother is active duty. I have friends and family in the military all over the world. Um, I spent the majority of my life overseas. Um, my first time living in the States as an adult was when I was 23 until now. Um, what else? I'm a proud mixed black woman and I'm speaking up for the people that can't talk about some of these subjects. Proud mixed black queen. Let's go with that that description. <laughs> so, I, I will say because like I said, yeah, I said good friend earlier because when I like I said my first base, you were like you amongst the other like black people, the small group of black people we had, you know, uh, Gordon, Russ, uh, Pridgen, like everyone it was like a small circle. Uh, like you guys were my introduction to the Air Force. You know, like you guys were the ones who. Uh, I guess took me under your wing and like showed showed me the rope, showed me the way, showed me what to say and what not to say. Uh, I will say I was afraid of you when I first met you, but I'm sure I'm sure that's everyone's initial knee jerk reaction when they meet uh, G was meet GB was 
Like, yo, like, just don't get on her bad. Like, she's good friend. Just don't get on her bad side or you'll hate your life. I'm not sure. <laughs> like, I'm not sure. <laughs> remember meeting me, but I thought you were super rude. I was like, I'm not going to talk to her. Like, I don't want to be friends with this girl. <laughs> I do remember. I do remember. Um, and that that has been a demeanor that I've carried throughout my military career. <laughs> yeah, man. I was, yeah, I was very intimidating to younger folks. I had a very distinct idea of what the military was supposed to be. Um, you know, that was ingrained in me from a very young age. And so when I saw people coming in with a lack of work ethic or a lack of respect or a lack of understanding about like what the military was and, you know, knowing, unfortunately to say this, but like knowing your place, you know, you don't come in as an A1C talking to an mm -hmm. E5 out the side of your face. Like, you know, that's just not how this works. There's a rank structure and stuff like that. And so I just had this idea that all new kids when they came in were just idiots and didn't understand that concept. <laughs> You know, it's funny because in the maintenance world, that's kind of how it ran. It worked. It was like, you know, yeah. you don't technically you don't know anything. And like you thinking you know it all could cost money their life in the maintenance world. Literally. So yes. it's like, so, so, yeah. So like you, yeah. honestly, you doing that between, I think it was you and uh, Sergeant Muster were the first two people who I encountered. And I was so terrified of the Air Force at that point because like, so, like again, I'm, I'm describing someone who's very, a very intense individual, uh, two intense people <laughs> in the same room. And it was like, yeah. and, you know, it's just, like, I, mean, I remember I said, yo, to start around, I think either to him or around him once. And he was like, yo, is that how you refer to NCOs in the Air Force? And I immediately went, to, I, my, my initial rejection was like, oh my God, parade rest. Like, I, I was like oh my God, I'm, I'm getting yelled at like outside of boot camp. What is happening? <laughs> Oh Lord! But yeah, that—that yeah, that was my like introduction to Air Force was like you know you and all the other uh, people of color, and then like you guys like took me under your wing and showed me the ropes. And you're, like, yeah. Well, like so, we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, I do want to get into like I said you coming out as a civil rights activist. Like I said, that was like I said for me that was an emotional moment for me. Like watching it, watching it, I was like I, I almost wanted to clap in my living room because I was listening listening to it with my like my headphones on. And I was like, wow, this is, this is real. Like, and I, it's like, if someone that knows you and know that you will, like say for your friends and family, you will like almost fist fight for anyone that's in your circle. So for you to come up and like, pretty much expand your circle to anyone that needs help, uh, civil rights movement, that's such a big thing. Like what, what brought this along, I guess, and how long did you know, say, even in the Air Force, you wanted to do this? So while I was in, I always was, and, and you'll, you'll see that in some of my videos, I was always a champion for the underdog um, as much as I felt a certain way about young people coming into the military with, you know, um, different backgrounds and not understanding the structure in the military. I still felt like we needed to be able to explain some of this to kids. Mm -hmm. um, I was a champion for suicide prevention. I was a champion for sexual assault. Um, and domestic violence intervention and bystander mm -hmm. intervention training. Resiliency is a huge thing because mental health is so important in the military. And, um, you know, I, I wanted to become a victim advocate. You know, I, that's, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to find a way to help people. I've always wanted to, to, to help people in any way that I could. Right. Even when I was going through breakups, I still felt like I hope this person learned something from me that they will eventually remember and will carry through the rest of it. I, I've always felt that way. Jesus. When George Floyd happened, and then I found out about Breonna Taylor, 
and the Central Park dog leash situation. And then finally about Ahmaud Aubrey, which is very sad because, you know, that went under rugs for, you know, 76 days before anybody knew about I felt so heartbroken and destroyed by what I was seeing yet again. And it was so much at one time. The, the day after everything, I found out about everything Mm -hmm. I had, it was literally like a wake up call. I can't really describe it. It was an emotional feeling. I had been so emotional for some, for, you know, so many days at that point, um, or so many hours at that point, but I just kind of woke up and was like, I have to talk about this. I was like, I remember what it was like to be in the military and not be able to talk about these things. I remember what it was like to be around people that grew up in small places and didn't understand different cultures and would say dumb things. I remember that stuff. And so I felt, I felt called, I felt activated. I felt like everything that I have been through in my life up until this moment, the diplomacy that I've learned, the, the humanity that I have seen, the, the places that I've been to all over the world, the perspectives that I've been given from a very young age. And as a mixed race person, you know, my dad's white, my mom's black, my parents, my family has been serving in the military for generations. I was like, I've been through all of these things for a very specific reason. Mm-hmm. And I need to talk about those things. And so it was just, I'm getting chills talking about it. <laughs> no, it's fine. Like, it, just, it, it, it's, it was it's, a wake up call. Big. Yeah, no, this is a big thing. Like, yeah. uh, like I said, my this is my platform. Uh, and it was it originally, it, it was never, I never had the idea or want to come up and talk about racial issues or uh, you know, anything of that sort. You know, this is supposed to be a fun podcast talking about my travel. Everyone always tells me I have the interesting stories about traveling and meeting new people and, you know, just kind of informative stuff. And then it just kind of seemed like one thing after another kept happening since I started the podcast and it just became this, I don't know, like people tell me like all the, my pods about, you know, growing up and I tell people like, you know, I felt, I didn't feel like a good person being black. So I kept trying to be white, you know, in quotes. And, and everyone's like, wow, I didn't know that. And I, ever since I've been putting those out, people constantly message me and tell me like, I did, I had no idea. And if I, if I ever made you feel a certain way, I'm sorry. I didn't realize what these jokes or these comments were uh, offensive. And it's almost like, I was like, you know, I don't ever claim to be, this isn't a political podcast, this isn't a civil rights podcast, this is more so just an informative thing. Right. Uh, but I appreciate, you know, more so in anything that a lot of my white friends and British friends have approached me or talked to me and called me and said, you know, I'm sorry if I, or if I have, if I've ever done anything, I'm, I'm sorry. Like I did not realize how much thinking went, I guess, I guess essentially how much thinking went into being black. Right. And uh, it's funny you said like, you know, you remember hearing jokes and stuff about in the military and you couldn't say anything. I remember, I'll never forget this moment. I think about a day, like almost weekly, I was in the back of the bread van. And for most people who don't know, the bread van is just a little truck they drive around the flight line that they stuff all the people in t- to drop you off at your, your work area. With tools. Uh, every single thing. And, Large equipment inside of the truck as well. And you'll also never find it when you need it. And, <laughs> and so you'll be stuck out where you're stuck out in the rain for a good hour before they come by you with no radio. So so and know what you want, because if you don't, you'll get yelled at or something thrown or something thrown at you. Uh, <laughs> yes. but I remember being on the back of the bread van and I was at the time, the only black person, it may have been one other person, black person. And somebody was like, Oh, you want to hear a, ra- a racist joke or a black joke? And everyone kind of like, ha ah, ha yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like, you know, and they started 
make it like competing of what racial joke they can make the funniest. And I remember like, oh, and like I remember having thinking in my head, I have to laugh because I'm I'm lower rank. Like I'm I'm new to the Air Force. Yeah. If I say something, I'm gonna get out of the this cool circle. So I need to be in this circle to fit in. So I just, just laugh, shrug it off, and and move on. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so much of my military career was essentially shut up in color, but you know, shrug it off and move on because I'm so I'm right. so frank. Yeah. And I remember people like you, who you you didn't care who you offended. Like it was if someone said something to you out of the way, out the side of the neck, you were you were quick to call them out. Like I remember you carried a ruler around because people always got on you about your nails. And you were always like, you want me to measure them? Because I'm measuring, bitch. And I was like, oh, I was, I was like, oh my God. Like, I was like, this is a tech sergeant. Like, she can't talk to him like that. But, <laughs> but yeah, that's, I just remember my Air Force career being that way also, you know, just thinking back to moments where I just could not say anything to anyone. Yeah. Part of that, and, uh, and we talk about that, I, I, we used to talk about that because I'm not in the military anymore. In the Green Dot community, <laughs> they call that um, pluralistic, pluralistic ignorance, where, you know, as a cultural thing, like especially in, in maintenance, you know, that, that microculture within that, that career field where people feel like because somebody else said something and to be a part of the community, you have to agree with them. We talk about that in bystander intervention training and sexual assault and suicide and, you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And, and we, we address that as a culture as a whole, when, you know, people say certain, you know, sexist jokes to be a part of the culture. If you don't agree with it, you're not in, you're not in the in crowd. You have to laugh. If you don't, then you are an outcast. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I, I know. Mean, so, so, we, <laughs> so I would say, so you being, I guess, at the time, you're, you're still young, excuse me, uh, a young black woman in the military. Uh, mm. I know you said you've been around it your whole life and you being mixed. I know I've, I've heard your stories personally from like, you growing up. But uh, like, I guess once the moment you joined, I guess from like boot camp to, you know, right before you got out, I guess what were your, what was your, I guess what was your introduction, I guess, for more so in the military, being a black a woman? Like, what did you, what would you expect, I guess, and then what, what was the reality when it got there? So my expectations for the military were very different from a lot of my brothers and sisters when we got to basic training because I grew up in the military. My dad made me and my brother do hospital corners on our beds when we were very young. We learned how to march at a very young age. You know, we've always been very disciplined and mm -hmm. very measured. You know, they made us do at least a minimum of one year of junior ROTC. They made us play sports specifically, you know, like we've always been very disciplined. And so growing up in a military community and then going to basic training, I had this idea of what the military was going to be like. And then I saw in some ways what they call like the snowflake culture, you know, where people were getting soft and stuff like that. Yeah. I remember that. So when I first joined, I thought everybody was a baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I you know, like, so I, I mean, when I was, when I was 15 years old, I went through a gas chamber with Marines oh, wow. more than once. <laughs> you know what I mean? For fun. Yeah. <laughs> that describes you a lot. Uh <laughs> you know, like that's stuff that I did growing up. And then I joined the military and I see people complaining about the smallest things. And so I was just like, just shut up in color. I, I, grew up. Yeah. I felt the same way. I was like, you're an adult. Like 
you made the decision to be here. You made the decision to follow these rules. Just deal with it. And then I got to my first duty station. And as a female crew chief, that was an entirely different perspective for me. Even in tech school, um, I had really good friends in tech school. Jorge was in in my class with me, you know, stuff like that. So I had really good people to be around. But once I got to Aviano, it was a wake up call when I saw the way that people treated me differently. Um, and this isn't something to say that's vain, but you know, people were like, you're pretty, why are you here? And I was like, what the hell does that even mean? And then if I spoke up about something, I was, you know, Oh, she's getting angry. Like, what the hell does that mean? Are you serious? Like, (laughs) right. So you can be upset about this, but if I get upset about it, I'm an angry black woman. Mm -hmm. So there's so many, there are so many, um, what's that called? Stereotypes not stereotypes but uh when it's when it works one way but not the other oh uh double standard yes double standards many 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 double standards throughout the military um and so once i got to shaw i kind of had a better footing of who i was as an airman what i could do to stand out as a good airman what i could do to not stand out as a black one you know, if you think about, yes, if you think about it, when, you know, you have like those weapons crews or those avionics crews or those engines crews or those crew chiefs where it's just a bunch of, you know, young black kids or, you know, mm-hmm. you know, one staff sergeant, a bunch of senior airmen, the bunch of E4 mafia. <laughs> yeah. We ourselves would be like, oh, they're too, it's too dark over there. Yeah. So yeah. we didn't want to associate with that. We didn't want to be associated with that. We had a bunch of white friends and they accepted us for who we were, but they we weren't a part of that group of people. And so we had this idea that we were better than them because we acted better. You know, it's it's it's, it's actually 100% true. Like, and uh, more than I like to admit, I mean, I've admitted some, some really dark things in this podcast before. I, I remember uh, for a while not hanging out with a lot of black people because I kept thinking like, I don't want to get this. Like, I remember, I remember what white NCO told me. They were like, Oh, these guys are trouble. You know, they, yes. they do this, they do that. So kind of stay over, stay away from them. So I'd purposely find ways to hang out with, uh, it sounds so bad, but white people, just white people. Yes. And, and it wasn't until I want to say my, almost my last end of my last year, maybe coming into my last year, uh, maybe a couple months before that I just kind of just, and I let that go. And I was like, you know, I, a couple TDYs in. Um, and I was like, you know what? I, like, I'm not having fun. Like, I, like I know, I, like, everyone else is. Like, I'm seeing, like, you know, Gordon and Russ and all of them got, going to Croatia and having a great time. You know, I see uh, Biddle over here. He's doing this thing. You know, like, wh- why can't I Why can't I do that? And I started right. doing And, like, my whole world opened up. I, mean, like, I, I went from this single-minded, like, safe zone, I guess you could say, to, like, meeting all new people and doing all new things and realizing like, oh, these guys aren't trouble. You guys are just looking at them as trouble because they don't do what you do or talk like you yeah. talk or completely abide by this rule. Oh, they, I'm sorry. They, they don't not push the rule, but they know the rule and they don't follow it the way you follow it because the rules, yeah. people who don't know the rules in the military are so not black and white. Like it's, <laughs> I think the, fe- the like the female or the fingernail rule is like, it could complement your skin color is the, is the, is the way that the, the, the color you can have your fingernails, which makes absolutely zero sense. So you're telling right. me someone white can wear like pink, yellow, gold, like all these extra- extravagant colors. Whereas 
someone who's black can only wear brown. Yeah. <laughs> like why like why does that make sense? So yeah, that's yeah. It's it's that's true. a real thing. Yeah, and it's it's funny because you know, like I said, I picture, you know, you when I first came in, like, you know, again, you being in the military, like seeing you first was like, oh, she has it together. Like nothing bothers yeah. her. Like you like you have no like you have nothing to worry about. Like she like she's a girl who everyone I remember everyone's like, if you have a question, go to GB. You know, like you, you were the one that had it all together. And like you because you didn't take any crap from anybody. So like from I didn't think you were a vulnerable person, you know, and I, mm-hmm. and I remember like people would say things that were like, I'm not going to go into the stories, but I, I like I stuff would say stuff and they'd be like, you know, oh, I like, don't tell GB. I'm like, I'm like, I was like, I can't not tell. I was like, she's my friend. And if she finds out she's going to hurt. She's going to hurt me. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be on her bad side. So, <laughs> but oh my God. I'm, I'm making you sound like a terrible person, but no, it's just because you're, you grew up. No, no, no. You don't have to explain it. I know. I know what other people thought of me. And I'll, <laughs> I'm going to get into that once you're done with the story. I'm going to get into that, but go ahead. But no, it's just like, uh, looking at it now, it's just conditioned as a young black woman. It's like, you have to not, not be hard, but you no, know, essentially, yeah, be hard. Because if you're not, yeah. you're considered this weak, helpless girl that needs help. And you no one, and what black woman wants to seem like a weak, helpless person that needs help. So, Yes. I know. So when I got a little bit older and, you know, I started putting on rank and stuff and I start, so even at a, a younger age, when I was in the military, just like you're saying, like I always knew myself, my mom taught me to have perspective. My mom taught me to have information. Information is power. Knowledge is power. It's a weapon that you can use. And when people challenged me on AFIs and, you know, rules and regulations in the military, whether it was, specifically my flatline maintenance related or as a person I always had the answer because I I did the research I've always been like that so when I got a little bit older at Shaw and I would you know I started challenging people I got put into a position as a training monitor at the AMU and for those of you that don't know what that means I was basically a program manager for a group of about 250 people um, specifically maintaining and managing their training records and making sure that they were getting all of their training done on time and so forth and so on. And in, in every career field, training is very specific to that career field. So, you know, there's maintenance training, there is Air Force training that everybody has to do as a whole. I manage those things for those people. When I got into that job, and I was actually talk, thinking about putting this on my live feed next time, when I first started that job, I was constantly told by the training managers who really, you know, that's their AFSC. That's what they do. They were like, oh, it's in this AFI or this is why we do it this way. And I was like, why? Show me where. And they're like, oh, it's just in, it's in this one. It's in, it's in the AFI. And I was like, give me the paragraph number. Nobody would want to give me the answer because they wanted us to stay in the dark without knowledge. Mm-hmm. And that hurt my people, that hurt my squadron, that hurt my AMU. So I busted out every AFI that had anything to do with training and I read them thoroughly. I highlighted things. I, you know, saved book pages, you know, so that I could quickly get to it and stuff like that. And I started fighting back. And the, the training managers at the time were a bunch of women. And so they thought that I was threatening them, but I wasn't like not threatening them, you know, physically, yeah, or anything. Yeah. but I was a threat to their job because I was exposing knowledge to my squadron. And so we would go to these meetings and I would come prepared with like all this stuff and be like flipping through like, like a paralegal. I'm telling yeah. you, I was a lawyer in a courtroom, like, uh, 
no, on this date and time, da 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 like, you sent this email verbatim, this is what it says, or this is what the AFI says, like, right. I knew the, I knew, I knew the UDMs, I knew the fitness, I knew, I knew safety, I looked in the AFIs for fun, you know what I mean, and I would show up to these meetings, and I saw the change that I was making, I implemented transparency for the entire squadron, and then that eventually affected the entire maintenance group. Right. I started doing things. I made websites. <clears throat> I worked with calm. I ended up having people in my pocket all over the installation, not because I needed power, but because I wanted knowledge. I knew the people that worked at security forces for CADM training, you know, firing training. I knew people that worked at Seaburney. <clears throat> And I was able to get into their system and be able to do my own scheduling. And then I made that possible for the rest of the squadron. I got into the UDMs and, and their information and their AFIs for deployment training and so forth and so on. I coordinated things throughout the base. I worked with, you know, the, the green dot implementer, the, the green dot implementer for the, she was the BPI. She was uh, the violence prevention implementer for the installation for the 20th fighter wing. And I worked with her on that, on Green Dot, Bystander, Resiliency. I knew everyone, I knew someone everywhere around the base. And I used that information to give that to people. I made, I did things so that my squadron could be better. And it got to the point where people hated me because I could reinforce these rules because I would tell tech sergeants and master sergeants and senior master sergeants and chiefs that we can't do certain things because it's illegal. Right. And they're like, well, I want to. I said, well, you have to find somebody else to do it. I had a two hour long argument with my commander, my squadron commander, when I worked at, you know, AMXS staff. And he said, you're one hell of a tough cookie. And I said, I, sir, I believe that's why you hired me. I'm here to protect you. You want to do something that's illegal. And I'm telling you that I won't do it. I educated people. I pissed off the entire squadron, but eventually, eventually, after about two years of pissing off the entire squadron, they were behind my back. They stood up for me because they saw what I was doing. They saw the changes that I made and made their lives easier, right? So Makes I sense. just, all I did was just give people knowledge and have knowledge to be able to defend ourselves as the largest squadron on the installation. So if anyone's wondering, yes, that is a flex. And yes, it should be. <laughs> and if you plan on, and if any young people plan on joining the military, that's how much dedication you honestly should put into it. Like anything less is just you not honoring yourself in the military. Like I, yeah. I, I knew I was a slacker. <laughs> like I was, <laughs> I was the person, I'm not gonna lie, my first few years in the military, I was the person who went to people and asked, you know, like, how do I do this instead of researching myself how to do it? And the answer yeah. was always in front of me. But, yeah. you know, never, you know, it's some, that's something I, I was lazy. I joined the military for my own agenda. And I didn't want to put forth a lot of effort until towards the end of my career when I realized I should probably care more about life. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so now that we have a little background on Ashley. We're going to delve into a, a thick of it. Um, so obviously current events. Uh, current events. Everyone knows the climate of, the, of what's going on right now. Uh, I personally sat in my living room the other day uh, and I like I said, everyone knows I have a daughter and I just, I, I was, I started like, I'm, I'm trying to write topics and trying to think of content. And I started like typing, like, I was like, oh, let me look at these names and just make sure I like get the names correct. You know, I, just, I don't want to get anyone's name incorrect. 
and I'm, I'm talking like George Floyd, Maude Arbery, and Breonna Taylor, and I, just, I like stopped and like I started shaking. I was like, what is going on? And then like I kept seeing Scarlett, and I just thought, like I'm not like, crying, nothing about it. And I like I just started shaking and like started like lo- I like sat in the, I closed my laptop and I just like sat on the floor. I was literally on my hands and knees and I just like could not stop crying. And I was like, what is wrong with me? Like I was I was in a great mood. I, have, I like I was super happy. And I just I just kept thinking about Scarlett and like what would happen if like I saw her name. I was like someone was typing her name. What would happen if someone put her name on a shirt? She was a she was a hashtag on Facebook. And I was like I I could I, I couldn't fa- I couldn't gather myself. And like for a good, like a good ten minutes, I just could not get off the floor crying. It's like it, it legit felt like I had weight on my shoulders, and I've never. I mean, I, I have. I suffer from anxiety and have panic attacks, and this was heavier than that. This is. It's legit felt like a person was pushing me down and like telling me not to get up, and I know that how that made me feel. You now being actively uh, in this, in this, uh, in the, in the climate, essentially in this environment, uh, seeing it firsthand, and you trying to act, go, going through protests and uh, trying to inform people. Uh, and basically almost losing friends, I can say, I can honestly say I lost friends on Facebook, so I know you have to have lose friends on yeah. Facebook. Yeah. Uh, what does this mean to you? Like, when you're, like, when you see their names, like, what, is, what does this mean to you? Like, what does it do to you? So, in some of, some of my videos that I have shared, I talked about some of my personal experiences, and, you know, just like the example that I was using, or my flex that I was just using, instead of instead of always complaining about something not being done, you know, that's, that's really the, the, the end of the story that, you know, I was just explaining is that instead of complaining about something not being done or complaining about how the world is, I have to be a, the change. I have to be a part of the change. That's what I did when I was in the military. What's different about that in my life right now? I want to become a chef. I left the military to become a chef because I want to, educate people through food. I want to provide a literal edible education. I want people to learn more about the countries because people don't know jack shit. I mean, they don't even know about real Southern food. You know what I mean? Even in the South, they don't know where some of this stuff came from and stuff. So when I, when I see George Floyd, Ahmaud Aubrey and Breonna Taylor all at one time, and I'm seeing the comments and all this stuff, after my personal breakdown, I was in the shower crying. I, I went off on Pedro, bless his heart. I felt so bad. He thought I was mad at him. <laughs> but he just kept asking me, what's wrong, what's wrong? And I just, I was supposed to be going for a run. <laughs> and I just wanted to go for this run so damn bad. And he just kept asking me, what's the matter? Let's talk about this. I see you're upset. And I snapped. I had a mental breakdown. I ran upstairs, got into the shower. I sat on the shower floor and cried and cried and cried and cried for over an hour in my shower with the water running and just like trying to find a breath in between sobs. Right. And I was like, I can't not do anything about this. I have to say something. So What they mean to me is, unfortunately, unfortunately, we, we, they've been made martyrs for a cause. And it's sad that we have to get to this point that we have to lose another life or three or however many that we're not even seeing to see all these things happening all at the same time. And, and knowing that that could be me. That could be you. That could be my brother. That could be my husband because he's Mexican. 
you know, that could be my mom. That could be so many people that are important to me. And I've seen it firsthand. What this like systemic racism throughout this country and all the, in every facet of my life that I, I have lived and every job that I've held, I have seen systemic racism and injustice and inequality and inequity. So George Floyd, Ahmaud Aubrey, and Breonna Taylor, to me, are the final straw. We have to do something. We can't keep letting this happen. We are the generation that has taken the time to educate ourselves. We're called snowflakes or, you know, freaking millennials or whatever, what have you, because we've educated ourselves and said, no, that's not okay. This is the generation that doesn't tolerate intolerance, right? So now's the time to act. We didn't have for, you know, for almost 30 years, we didn't have those real activists. We didn't have those leaders. We didn't have those people that wanted to educate people. Or if they did, they didn't have the right platform. They didn't have the right people. They didn't have the right message or what, whatever. But we have that now. We have people that are educated now. They have, they have done their research and their history on black crime and, and, uh, and, and everything else that I've said in inequality and injustice. They've done all this research. They've taken the Black Lives Matter movement so much further than what we mm-hmm. we could have thought it was possible. It spread around the world. Literally around the world. But, yes. And so what they mean to me, saying their names out loud is a reminder that why this is why we are fighting. And on my on my sign, on my sign, it says say all their names. It's not just Breonna Taylor. It's not just Ahmaud Aubrey, And it's not just George Floyd. Regardless of their past indiscretions, regardless of whatever has happened to them, we can no longer be okay with being told to shut up in color. We can no longer be okay being told, <clears throat> being told to be quiet and to sit down. That's, that's what saying their names means to me. And it's, it's wild to me how like you know as black people we can we can pick up on or we we know the room we know the vibe we know what it is you know like it's almost and it's almost like you know when something happens I know when to say something and maybe not how to say it but I know when to bite my tongue I'm like all right this isn't the time to say this I know when to say this or I know how to get a reaction from someone to say something when x amount of things happen right it seems like today uh after all these events it immediately goes into well, what 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 was that background? You know what, right. what what was he doing? And it immediately goes into victim blaming, and yeah, it's not just white people. It's there's some black people who I'm seeing post videos like, or Mexican people or or Asian like anyone posting videos about well their backstory where they were they were this they were that oh I heard so and so did this I I just recently unfriended someone who uh, posted a a comment or a video about someone who. Uh, about, about George Floyd and about his past or something he'd done in a previous, previous, essentially a previous life. And I was, and I was like, excuse me, like, like, like this is not the focus. Like, I, I don't care if you stole a cat 15 years ago. Like, I mean, right. I'm, I'm sorry that that happened. Yes. This isn't, that's, that's not the focus. The, the, the immediate focus right now is somebody's knee was on his neck and he died. That's, that's, that's it. Like he, he was, he was in custody. He wasn't, yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't resisting arrest. He was in their custody. There was no reason for him to have gone to the ground in the first place. You know what I mean? He was being very 
obedient and peaceful and complying and to see him murdered like that on the street like a dog worse than a dog (laughs) is truly uh disturbing and seeing the comments and the i know what video you're talking about uh the one about candace owens i'm sure i don't i'm not gonna give her name any power so possibly yes but i i I know i know what video you're talking about i've i've spent a lot of yesterday um answering a lot of questions about that that video um so many people sent it to me uh, like texted it to me or private message to me and i watched it the first time and i couldn't watch it again but I spent a whole day answering questions on that mm-hmm. video. So I know exactly what you're talking about, but that's, it's hard not to say that's not part of the far right conservative narrative that that's what they've been doing to us for millennia. They have been criminalizing us for millennia. They know the government has admitted both Republican and Democrats, all parties across the board have admitted to doing these things to mass incarcerate people of color, especially black men. If you look at the law, there were literal Jim Crow laws were made to incarcerate black people. Yes. <laughs> like this it's part of it. And this wasn't a hundred, four hundred years ago. This was like sixty years ago. Right. <laughs> like our yes. grandparents experienced these laws. Yes. Maybe some people they, Yeah, they they pushed drugs into our communities, they pushed crime into our communities to to support their narrative so that they could mass incarcerate us and feed their system. So her whole agenda is she is playing the black puppet for the government. And we we know that there are other people like her. Mm-hmm. So when when y'all let me tell you something. When they started when Minneapolis started putting out like their black safety officer for their department heads and you know all these people of color, whether they mm-hmm. were light skin or dark or whatever, I was like, we know that y'all are using them as puppets. You are using them to try to control us. We are not stupid. You want to put in one of your very well-trained black people or person of color in the front and center and be like, hey guys, come on now. What, Don't um, upset the white <laughs> men. What did, right? Kanye, what did Kanye say? Uh, but let a black person walk in. I bet they show off the token black me. Right. <laughs> it's like, yeah. You know what like, I mean? It's essentially that, like, you know, like they, they, you remember the movie Django? Yeah. Do you remember the part that Samuel L. Jackson played? Mm-hmm. That is what these people are. Yep. They want to, they want to appease, continue to, to be, yeah. listen, this white, the white man did something for me or the government did something for me. And if you look at me, I'm doing really good. So if you guys just fall in line and do what I say, for them, then you can be like me too, and you can dress nicer, and you'll be treated better, and da 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 da. Like that's all that is. And we, it's it's a dog and pony show, and we know it. And to be clear, we're not saying like we don't care like about, or we we think all black people or like black people like that don't care. Like we we like, yeah. We, we I feel like as a one thing in the, in a black culture or being black is you have your you have this innate sense of of caring. Like, even if, you know, even if you're a mean or like an angry person, you care about people in your circle. And even if so, when people say stuff like, uh, well, yeah, like, you know, it's sad that, you know, all this happened, but what about so-and-so that died? I'm I'm not happy that so-and-so died either. Like, I don't know where people are getting this narrative uh, right. of, you know, people 
like cops die or so-and-so died or this person does this and and uh, I hate saying white and black, but essentially it's a white person come or approach me and say, well, do you, like, what about so-and-so? And I'm like, oh, that's also very sad. Like, I'm sorry. And yeah. I, I won't go into, and I, I'll never give them a but. I'm like, I, I will never say, you know, how they approach me is, you know, it's sad that Ahmaud Arbery or George Floyd died, but did this happen? Right. Like, I'll never, I, I would never go to someone and say, oh, I'm, I'm so sad your dad, your dad's a cop and he got shot, but was he a good cop? Like, it's... <laughs> right. Exactly. That's something that... That's insensitive. That's <laughs> basically what it is. It's basic human decency. Don't go... Yes. Someone, if someone you... If, I love... And I've, if someone... Anything, anyone around me that dies, I don't want to be butted to death. <laughs> do not... Right. Do not butt me. Right. <laughs> exactly. Whole, I said the same thing when I talked about it on my, my, my video uh, this past week. I, I have my speech up right here. And I, I phrased that in a very specific way when I said, let me say this first before I get into anything. I will not equate property of any sort to a human life. In the very next pro, pro, um, I'm sorry, paragraph, I wrote, however, I will not ignore the fact that people have died due to idiot behavior. Just that switch saying I won't, you know, I don't agree with equating human life to property. Mm-hmm. However, it is wrong that these people died, period. There's no ifs, no ands, no buts. Someone died mm-hmm. and some, and because somebody is, it's not because they died of natural causes. It's not because of the jet, like the, they, you know, were given due process and went to trial and was, you know, if they lived in a state that had the death penalty, it was not for any proven reason. It was for somebody taking matters into their own hands and murdering somebody or beating the crap out of somebody, whether they were a cop or a protester or who, what have you. That's not okay. And we, we are not here for that. And I also agree. I'm not saying that all black people are one thing or the other. I'm not saying all black people are somebody that the government cherry picks and says, we're going to put you on the podium so you can calm your people. Right. I'm not saying that everybody is like that. We're, all I'm saying is we recognize as a community who those people are and we will not be played. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I meant by that. <laughs> but yes, I don't, I'm not here for death of any sort. You have no right to take human life from anyone else because you felt it was necessary to do so. Yeah, you're not was it judge, jury, and executioner. It's like yeah, exactly. that's, not, that's not your job. Right. So on a I guess on the same topic, because like I said, you are a mixed race. I met I've met your family. Love your family. Love your mom. Hey cat. Love your mom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as a mixed you are race, so stupid. <laughs> if she's listening, tell her what's up. Uh, she will. <laughs> but uh, as a mixed race person, uh, and I love your dad. He's like the most, the coolest. He's like the daddest of dads I've ever met in my life. And it's all. Oh it's all my awesome. god! But as a mixed race person, uh, and I'm, I'm, I know I've heard some of your stories of the stro- of, of your struggle being a mixed race person. But what is what 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 are some struggles that you I guess would have like for people. Almost people wouldn't believe like things that happen to you. Oh Lord. Um, so first off, let me give a shout out to my parents because they are the real ones. They have taught me to educate myself and to have perspective from every corner of the earth and just raised me with so much love and dignity and respect. And I learned self-respect from them and standing up for myself came from a place and they were it. Uh, my dad uh, just turned 52 yesterday. 
Yeah. It was his birthday. He was old as shit. Happy birthday, Dad. Old as shit. Um, <laughs> so I just wanted to put that out there real quick. Obviously, my most for most people who don't know who my mom is, my mom collects degrees for fun. <laughs> she has a bachelor's and a master's in um, law and public policy and criminal law and has a bachelor's degree in um, an accelerated nursing program at George Washington University in Maryland, which or DC, which is one of the most prestigious um, medical training field schools in the country. And she graduated soon from that. So um, in case you guys are wondering where I get my desire for knowledge and education from, it's from my mom. Um, like I love and- you. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, um, as a mixed race person, so growing up, like I said before, you know, there were some things that I didn't notice because, so I saw this post yesterday where, you know, some people grow up in a community where they're surrounded by white people. And so they don't see the racism that comes on the news. They're like, I didn't know that was a real thing. Mm -hmm. Growing up where I did, it was exactly the opposite where there was so many different backgrounds people of color from every corner of the earth filipino vietnamese russian asian you know african like just literally every corner of the earth so it was really hard to not accept people for who they were now granted there was you know those those jokes and those comments that i didn't realize were racist until I moved to the States and I saw it firsthand, like what that meant. You know what I mean? And like, Mm -hmm. just, just, just growing up, becoming an adult and learning about that. As a young person, I was told that I wasn't white because my mom was black. I was told that I wasn't black because my dad was white or I wasn't black enough or I wasn't Mm -hmm. all the way black or why don't I talk black or why don't you speak this way or you know, how come you're like, oh, you're ghetto fabulous or, you know, that, that kind of shit. Like I grew up with that, um, and not really having a place in the world. So I, I ended up hanging out with all the other misfits. Like I was a jock. I played sports. Um, I hung out with people that played sports and I hung out with people that read manga. (laughs) So we had this like crowd of people that were misfits and we just, we stuck, we called ourselves the minority project Jesus, (laughs) because it was like, it was people from everywhere, you know, so I hung out with them. And then uh, when I got a little bit older and moving to the States, moving to DC was a culture shock. It was a real culture shock. And, and, and having that people explain to me what it was like to be black in America and ha- having my parents talk to us about like protecting ourselves and safety and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So it's really annoying as a person that is mixed to have to continuously validate who I am as a person, like my culture, um, or you're not, you know, you're not black, black, or you're not from the hood. So you don't get it. Or you're not from this place. So you don't get it. Or you've never experienced this. So you don't get it. And I'm like, just because I haven't had a gun pointed to my face, doesn't mean that I haven't experienced racism. Doesn't mean Mm -hmm. I haven't had people tell me who I should be as a person. And not to mention the fact that I'm a woman, you know, like I'm a, triple-edged sword of minority yeah (laughs) and i'm part of the lgbt community as well so it's just like i've had literally everything thrown at Mm -hmm. me and it's hard to 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 figure out where you fit into the world i really struggled when i separated 
last year before I went to culinary school and I was a server and I was one of the oldest servers or bartenders that was there. But I'm, you know, at the time I was only 28 and I looked like I'm freaking 18 apparently because that's what people kept asking me. Black don't crack y'all. <laughs> yeah, for real. But, you know, people were asking me that kind of stuff. And so I struggled a lot coming out of the military because I didn't, I don't, I don't fit in with people already. And leaving the military, I lost a part of myself that I didn't know was like integral to who I am. So I, I went through depression like it's nobody's business. I felt mm-hmm. lost. I've always really felt lost, but I, I had that military blanket. I had that military community that I always had some kind of connection to. Mm-hmm. And then it like cut off. It just was like, I knew that it was coming, but it was just like. Yeah, I mean, it's, but it's, it's almost a decade of your life, you know, so. Exactly. And, and it's more than that because I grew up in it you know, yeah. and I'm still married to it. You know, my brother's still in it. You know, I still am very much in touch with the military community, but all of a sudden I, I'm not, I, it's not as accessible. So my whole life, I've always struggled with who I am as a person. What do I mean to people? How I be remembered? Am I going to be remembered as the loud black girl? Because I've been told that on the flight line. They're like, Oh yeah, the, the, the light skinned black chick, she's she's aggressive. <laughs> like Yeah, and again, at the time hearing that, you, you in your head it's like, oh it's funny, you know, I'm yeah, it's me, haha, whatever, keep going. Now looking right. back at that, I'm like I'm like, yo, that's kind of it's a bit Yeah. It's a kind of fucked up way to to describe somebody. Like like right. how would you feel if I said, Oh, the little squirmy squirmy white squirmy little white girl over there with no butt? Like that's right. It'd be really offensive, wouldn't it? So yeah. it's like but Yeah. So I've, I, being a person, a mixed race person, I have always struggled with fitting into someone's societies, fitting into one box or whatever, just trying to fit in. And the last couple of years, I kind of realized, especially since I did get out um, this last year, um, especially it has helped me realize that I don't have to fit inside of just one box that's yeah. I, that's as, that's as simple as i can i can explain it i i don't have to fit into one box and that's what i love about this new generation because they don't care they're not here for it they're like i don't you're you're part of the alphabet okay come to the club like we don't care like literally like it's yeah. so accepting and i'll tell so i tell everyone uh i do podcasts with it's i everyone gets mad and hates social media or people think social media is like this terrible thing. I love it. I mean, other than the fact that I, I, I can basically you control what you see, control, yeah. control who's in your circle and you right. can find a support group and there's a support group for literally everything and everything. everything. Like I'm yes. a black nerd and there's a black nerd Facebook group. Like, you yes. know, people who like the black nerd, like people who get away with watching anime and playing Dungeons and Dragons. You know, I got told when I first started playing Dungeons and Dragons, everyone was like, Oh, like people don't play that game or like you're a nerd yeah. do you live weights you should be playing dungeons and dragons i'm like so like i love dungeons nope. yeah. i love rpgs i'm a nerd yeah but, i mean look at my you want to talk about nerd <laughs> I, I am developing a library like a whole ass library i get it i get it and i never i get i understand that um it's just it's i'm not saying that it's harder 
because I'm mixed, I'm just saying like, that's, that's a thing that I've had to experience my whole life. I, you know, I couldn't just hang out with the black people. I couldn't just hang out with the white people. I couldn't just hang out with yeah, the Asian either, people. Either you were trying to act white, you were trying to act black. Right. Yeah. So I have so many personalities that adapt to whatever place that I'm in because I've had to adapt to every people that I've been around. Ooh, like on that, you saying that it's, that is the one skill majority i won't say all because some black people will not change and we experience yeah. it in, in the military and they usually get kicked out but a common skill for a black person in a i wouldn't say america going forward but america previously from this point to any point in history where we were free and allowed to do things we had to black people had to be chameleons um, yes we've had to put on different masks we've had to code switch as my friend calls it uh yes constantly to fit different groups because yeah. how my hair naturally grew didn't fit the way uh, it, it properly for our job interview or the way my vernacular was was not right. a way to uh speak to people how i right. did not scare people how how my voice came out of my mouth how i deep my yeah. voice was at certain points yeah. had to be changed because too much bass in your voice uh shows that you're being threatening you know yes. even down to the way i walk you know oh you, yes. you, you walk like you're too cool for us you know yeah. like it's so, so being black means essentially meant essentially when i was growing up when we were growing up because we're the same age basically meant you had to be a chameleon. You know, you had to have a thousand masks on and you had to sit in the car and mentally prepare that mask or mentally prepare your face so you can know, like, all right, I'm going to a room full of white people. These words I can't be said. My face can't look this way and make sure my hair is this way. Yes. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's a skill like black people have that, you know, yeah. I tell my white friends and they're like, wow, you really do that? I'm like, yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, so you do you act different around me? I was like, look, I have like, 800 different groups of friends i was like i yes. will never, and i can never bring y'all together because if you saw me in this light like if people saw it's me, just fundamentally different yeah like if people yeah. saw me you and russ and gordon in a group talking and drinking and then you put us in a group of just college white kids that they would be terrified yes <laughs> and that was but it's just but it's just how how we have to be and everyone i know everyone's yeah. thinking like some people think like oh everyone can do that everyone can change it's like it's a lot harder than you think it is it's a lot harder. And and it, I won't say, you know, because even my dad has had to do the same thing. He's yeah, had to play the proper right, white man role. You know, he worked for a, a company that he couldn't, he didn't feel comfortable sharing on Facebook for a while because they were associated with another group of people that was threatening to my mom. Right. So he had to play the proper white man. Couldn't let people know that he had mixed kids and, you know, shit like that. So everyone, I, I wouldn't say everyone, but there are most people have recognized that you have to switch faces mm -hmm. around certain people. You have to change your voice, the way that you answer your phone, you know, shit like that. It's, we've had to do that our whole lives. And especially in the military, because, you know, you've got, you've got your hard people from wherever the hell they came from. You got your people. Dealing with white people from Texas and black people from Texas. <laughs> They're two different things. Oh my gosh. Trying to, oh my God, yes. <laughs> That's two different things. And so I have to put on two different faces when I'm talking to those people. Because, yeah, because honest, honestly speaking, like you speaking to, and I'm, I always say people's names because most people don't know people, but essentially, you know, you talking to uh, how you refer to, like, say, shoop in the military, how, yeah. you, how you would try to get a, a certain. Uh, give a message to him and then turn around and try to give a message to McLeod are right. two different ways how you would give a message to somebody because yes. she wouldn't understand certain terminologies where as McLeod, you couldn't come to him 
as a, oh, hey, would you mind sitting down? Uh, we have to discuss this. Like, it's like, right. you know, man, get your shit together. Like, you fucking, yes. you're really messing up right yeah. now. Like, yeah. and it's like, but it's, so you have, it's, it's like knowing your crowd, knowing who you're around. But, yes. um, Situational awareness is uh, <laughs> something is drilling. It's, it's a military tactic, but it has been absorbed by the people of color. Uh, so uh, approaching the end of, I guess, everything, yeah. and I don't want to take too much more of your time because I know in the states it's really early. Um, no, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. <laughs> uh, I guess my last question would be, what's next, and you know how, and how will. Like, what's next for you? Like, how are you going to get your message out there? How are you going to keep getting uh, attention, getting followers? Uh, I'd like to personally hear a podcast from you because I think you have a lot to say. I think you're a very interesting person. You're very well spoken, uh, and you're and, and you, you know you talk, you speak very clear. You have a very good uh, vocabulary. I think a podcast would be good for you, uh, but that's not your you know that's not your calling. No, so be it. But I, I what what is next for you to get your message out there? So I will say that I do think podcast is coming in the near future for me. Um, I feel when I, when I do things live, instead of just like typing out super long posts, which exhausts my fingertips, you know, I really need to start using Facebook on my laptop instead of my phone. <laughs> but the, I think that a podcast is, is coming up. I think I'm going to go ahead and do a whole website and do like video blogging to talk about a lot of different things. What I'm seeing right now, and I can't, it means so much to me. Um, I know one of the questions is um, that you that you were going to ask about positive change and like, you know, protest isn't going to fix this and so forth and so on. Mm -hmm. So all of that, though, includes my next steps. What I've been doing recently, just, I mean, I've only posted, you know, like four or five videos, but right. the the outreach that I'm getting, the feedback that I'm getting from people from everywhere, like people that I don't even know because I, you know, my videos I share are, are public. So, you know, friends are sharing it with their friends and their communities. And I'm getting people that I don't even know commenting or messaging or texting me to let me know. I didn't know they're saying those things to me. It is inspiring. It's encouraging. It makes me want to keep going. I feel like now that people are shocked, but everything, if we don't take the opportunity to try to educate them so that they can continue to understand, like, I get questions about responses, like, what's your response to, to Trump's speech on Monday? And they're, they're not just asking me because they want to know my opinion. They're asking me because they want to know why are people reacting the way that they are to this? I don't understand. And it's people in the military and it's people out of the military. So I, I feel like I have to come on here and explain it and use certain verbiage and, you know, context and, and underlying tones and, you know, the, the influx in, in my voice, you know, the diction and, you know, so all that stuff matters. So I feel like if I, if I don't do that outright and, and put my face out there and say these things out loud so that people know that they can come to me. I have had people messaging me three, four, five times a day, asking me questions about everything. And they're hard ass questions. They are really hard questions, but I give it to them. I tell it to the, to them straight. Like I give it to them straight. This is, this is what's up. Listen, I understand your point on this, or I understand why you would be upset about this, but you need to understand that this is what this really means. For example, with, um, I had a, a friend message me yesterday asking me, 
they're like, you know, they had this huge funeral yesterday for George Floyd, this memorial service for George Floyd, and all these people were able to go, but I wasn't able to go to my friend's funeral or family member's funeral because of COVID. I'm mad. And is it okay for me to feel that way? Like, is it wrong for me to, to be upset about this? He's like, I understand that, you know, they deserve a, a memorial and a funeral just as much as my friends and family did. But why do they get to have it? And I don't. And I was like, there is no reason that you can't feel that way. That, like I'm, I'm, I'm having to validate their feelings because they don't know what's real anymore. We have been putting out there as a community that y'all need to pay attention. Y'all need to pay attention. Y'all need to pay attention. And we don't care about what your narrative is. You need to pay attention to this. And that's not okay. We need to take the time to also step back and make sure that we're educating people and talking to them about this because this is affecting the whole world. The whole world has been affected by COVID. The whole world has been affected by economic crisis. And the whole world is now being affected by these murders. It's a lot to take in. It's a lot to process. There is no reason that somebody can't be upset that they can't go to their friends or family's funeral because of COVID. But now all of a sudden black people are able to go or, you know, whoever supporting the movement are able to go to Floyd's memorial. And I was like, so, but here's, I, I did explain to him. I was like, you have to understand that this memorial was not just about honoring or remembering his life. This memorial and the reason why so many people went to it is to let people know, to let the world know, we will not let you die in vain. That's what that message was. So it's in, in one context, at like as a human valuing life, everyone deserves that memorial service. As a person for the cause, I have to understand that this memorial service is not just about remembering this man's life. It's about letting him and the world know that you did not die in vain. So you can be upset that you can't go to this, and you can also feel pride and joy to let people know that this isn't going to happen anymore. We have to talk about those things. And so I want to continue doing that. And I think podcast is probably one of the best ways to do it or video blogging or what have you. Yeah, YouTube. Because I, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm getting so many questions and they're valid questions. They're hard questions. But if we aren't taking the time to explain that to people, to really let them know why we feel certain ways about certain things or, you know, why people are saying these words, if we don't have that open dialogue, they won't, we won't get people to come to the cause. We're going to continue to make them feel antagonized and we're going to continue to make them feel like we're, you know, we're vilifying them because they don't agree with them. We should be educating them so they understand why we feel this way. And so hopefully they will be like, oh, I get it now. I support the cause. I've had so many people come to me and tell me that, you know, like I said earlier, they just didn't know. They had no idea what this meant to me. They didn't realize that it affected somebody that they know and that they feel so passionately about it. And I've, I've had people from everywhere come to me and tell me that they feel educated by me. So I can't stop. I can't stop because I'm speaking up for people. I've had people in the military come to me and say, thank you for understanding that we want to say something, but we cannot. And you are our voice. And I love that. And I appreciate you. Please don't stop. So I can't stop. The next thing has to be bigger. The next thing has to have more people. The next thing has to educate everybody. So my next thing is going to go from here to video blogging. 
and making sure that people know I'm not going anywhere. I'm not this when, when unfortunately this happens every time we will have people that will start to be numb again. They will not be as sensitive about the next one. You know, we are all victim to it. I have myself when, you know, after 2016, 2017, you know, you have a chain of events for three or four months. And then all of a sudden, you know, it, it's dispersed a little bit and it's once a month or twice a month or whatever. And it's just like, Oh, another black person died. What's for lunch today. Yeah. Like a stroll, like a stroll on the ESPN, like uh like daughter thing on the bottom. Yeah. Right. Comes up, black guy died. All right. And then, Oh, Christmas is coming. Like, <laughs> you know, right. Exactly. And I, I, I can't do that anymore. I can't be a part of that. When this starts to die down and people start to be less angry about everything and they start to become less sensitive to the subject, remind them. I'm going to start from the very beginning of my feed, my my Facebook page, from when I started posting about George Floyd and mm-hmm. Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Aubrey. And I'm going to reshare every single thing that I have I have shared or commented on or whatever or that I agree with or don't agree with. I'm going to share every single one of those things. I'm going to continue to flood your feed because. That's how we get into these situations. That's how we've gotten to where we are because something bad happens. We write about it. And then somebody, you know, the, the policeman gets arrested or, you know, goes to jail and then it's, it's gone again. Cause we keep forgetting about it and we keep pretending like, Oh, it's gotten better. Like, Oh, they made this new law now. Like, no, we need to root out the justice system, the inequity and the inequality, the, the poverty and the drugs and the crap and expose everything. We need to rip out systemic racism, root and stem and plant a new fruit. And so I'm going to keep going. I'm going to reshare everything. I'm going to keep talking about this. I'm going to keep bugging people. And when they're tired of hearing about it, I'm going to keep going at it some more. I love that. And that's, uh, I'm not actually, I'm actually really sorry. I skipped this question because I really want to hear this question. I, I don't know what happened. Uh, but yeah. You have to edit I, the hell out of this video. No, no, no. <laughs> this is this is raw and I love it. And we're going to keep, keep all of this. Um, I will say, I, with me, I, I kept telling people, you know, this isn't going to come to a head until uh, so there's a strong voice or strong voices that step up. Uh, someone that's not afraid for to lose friends to have family like look at them differently someone who's not afraid to you know answer the tough questions that's the only way this is going to come to a head are the people who who are willing to be that voice to step up and for you like to hear you talking about it and like essentially hear you like break down how you feel and what you're going to do and how this is going to work for you you know i, I applaud you for it like it's because I, I personally don't feel like i'm a strong i feel like i'm a strong person when it comes to speaking my mind and i don't care if i lose friends or have family i piss off but I'm not a person who's willing to, like I say, listen to your backstory of, you know, in the military, how you just dig and dig and dig until you find that the exact answer you need. And so that way, without a shadow of a doubt, you can argue your, argue your point. You know, I'm, I'm maybe not the person. I'm the person that I, feel like I can bring light to a situation, uh, use my platform to shine light on a situation, and then send you, send you the direction you need to go. And right. so for you, I, like, I thank God for people like you, you know, because, you know, people, people who aren't afraid to be a voice for people who don't have one or people who are, I guess, essentially afraid or uneducated to have one. You right. Know? So 
Because I have British friends who, I, when I shared your, shared your first video, like, they were, like, watching your video. And I was like, wow. Like, you know, I have friends across the world who didn't, had no idea who you were watching your video. And I was like, this is insane. Like, and, and you're talking, and you're super, like I say, very articulate. Like, so it's, it's I look forward to whatever uh, future endeavors you have. Uh, do you have any closing words or anything you want to tell the good people out there in the, in the world? If you haven't figured out by now, and this is my address to everybody, if you haven't figured out by now what I'm really about when it comes to this movement, when it comes to these three people who were brutally murdered for no reason whatsoever, if you don't understand what I'm trying to say, then I, I don't know what else I can explain to you. But I do hope that you understand that I'm here to educate. I'm here to assist you. I really do hope people to start to do their own uh, research. I really hope that. But if you need help or guidance in that direction, if you did research but still don't understand something, please reach out to me. I'm more than happy. If I don't have the answer, I will find it. I will not talk about something that I don't understand. I will not speak on something that I don't have information on. I've always been that way. I choose my arguments because if I, if I, if I just talk out the side of my face because of how I feel about something, I don't get the point across. I don't, I'm not helping anything. I'm just angry and expressing my emotions. I want to educate. And so in my videos, I know they can be long. I know I take long pauses. I have to this is raw material. I have to process the things that I'm saying. I understand that sometimes you may not agree with it, but I want to understand why. Please tell me why. Explain to me. Educate me. I'm an educated person. I know a lot about it. I know a lot about black history and, and American history, but I still learn something new every day. <laughs> Whether it confirms my bias or doesn't. So I'm more than happy to continue to educate and help you down this path of, of learning about the real history, not just the shit that's in the American government's history books. You know what I mean? So if you, my message to everybody going forward from here, please reach out to me. What can I do to help you? Let me know what you want to see more or less of. Let me know what you want to hear me talk about. If you need help and research and trying to understand something in the black community or people of color, please let me know. I will tell you where you need to go. I'll tell you where to find this information. I will give you links or, or I'll, I'll list off the, the, the names of people that you can research so that you can understand what they mean to us. And I'm here for love. I'm not here for hate. I do not condone violence. I will not tolerate intolerance on my page. Um, I will say that, but other than that, I'm here for love. I'm here for love. I want to move forward as a country. I want things to be better. I want positive change. I want my brothers and sisters in the military to see that change. I want my brothers and sisters in America to see that change. And that's, that's where I'm at. Well, to anyone that's curious or want more information or want to contact her, uh, the information will be in the bio. I'll share it in, in the link. Uh, but yeah, that's it for this podcast. I hope everyone enjoyed. Uh, hope everyone has a good day, not good day at work, good night at home, uh, good drive, and hope everyone be is blessed and uh, make good choices.